AthensAthens.com and the Athens Banner Herald. This is the Georgia Bulldogs podcast. Bulldogs Extra. Now, Mark Weiser and Ryan Dennis. Hey, everybody. Welcome in. It's the Bulldogs Extra podcast. Mark Weiser, UGA beat writer with Ryan Dennis of the Athens Banner Herald sports editor. Anything going on this weekend, Ryan? Um, yeah, I'll probably uh, go downtown and find a restaurant, maybe uh, taking a show at Cine. No, hey, you're going to Charlotte, right? Hey, hey, let me ask you something real fast before we get really rolling on this thing. Did, you know, I know you're a neutral reporter and, and whatnot, but do you do your blood get a little boiling, you know, when you got to cover, a, say, a Rose Bowl with Georgia or, you know, a big-time game like this? Do you get a little anxious, a little nervous? Uh, blood boiling? No. Boiling is kind of like you're upset about something or, or you're enraged. Uh, anxious? No. I'm looking forward to seeing a, a you know an incredible matchup right out of the gate. Two top five teams, national title contenders. Uh, you know, haven't seen them play for nine months, so you know, let, yeah. let's see what they got and, and where they need to go work on for the next uh, big uh, big matchup on their schedule. I mean, this is gonna be exciting football. 7:30 p.m. Prime time. Duke's Mayo Bowl. Hey, well, what about – I know, again, you're neutral. You don't give a rat's patoot who wins or, or well, what, I, what goes on at a game. But when Baba O'Reilly plays, doesn't that kind of get your juices flowing just to hear it? You know, there's a big-time football game coming up. George is coming out of the tunnel. You know, I mean, you're not, like, standing up screaming. Your blood doesn't uh, bleed red and black or whatever Brooke Whitmer says in the stadium. But, you know, that gets you a little fired up, doesn't it? I don't. George is a visiting team in Charlotte. I don't think they're. Playing, I didn't mean I don't, that. I don't think they're playing Barbara. I like it. I do. I mean, growing up, I was. I'm, I still am. I, I like the Who. So there you go. I mean, that, that's you can't ask for better music to start with. And there's always like a contingent of fans that are like, all right, let's let's get rid of that. Let's do something different. Really? Yeah. No. Yeah. It's Everybody not, loves Bob O'Reilly. I mean, no matter what you play in Sanford Stadium, there's going to be <laughs> you know play, play something else type thing. But yeah, I mean, I wonder how much you think the players uh, are really into the Who. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably, uh, you know, I bet that, you know, you've seen those videos that they've done where the, uh, you know, the, the players come out and they answer the question in front of the screen. Mm-hmm. Somebody was wearing a, uh, a Rolling Stones shirt or something that it came out the other uh, day. Yeah, maybe Louis Cena. Yeah, I thought that was pretty I interesting. I, I was know. like, hey, that's cool. I wonder if uh, I wonder if he's really, you know, pulling out the vinyl and, and throwing it on in his dorm room or something. All right. It is Georgia Clemson. We will talk about the game and look at it from many angles, including getting insight from David Hale of ESPN.com, who will join us covers a lot of ACC and Clemson. We will make our picks of the week and mention which players we are most looking forward to seeing Saturday. Ryan doesn't even know exactly what the lineup is. I mean, he knew David was coming, but and he probably knew there were picks, but I didn't tell him that we we're going to pick which players we're most looking forward yeah, to that'd seeing. That would have been nice to, uh, to get a little insight on, but hey, we'll, uh, All right, we'll l- let it run. Little news from uh, yesterday evening. Um, Ron Corson, Georgia's director of uh, sports medicine, has tested positive for COVID. Um, we, of course, wish him well, and, um, you know, Hopefully he'll be back uh, in the training room for Georgia in, uh, you know, whatever time needs to be, uh, you know, 10 days, whatever it might be. The amount of contact tracing, or, or actually not the amount of contact tracing, the amount of contact he has on a daily basis with hundreds of people uh, on a campus of, of 50,000 with many unmasked in classes. Um, but, but the vaccination rate for Georgia. Right. ninety More than 90% of the team is vaccinated. Of course, there can be breakthrough cases, and um, you know, I, I've never—I don't know if Ron Corson was one of the guys that took a picture when they put the the jab in the arm or not. But clearly, he's been leading the effort to get this team vaccinated. You would assume that that he's vaccinated, and like I said, he just has so many interactions with people on an up close basis. Yeah. You know, it's the nature of his job. Um, we'll see if there's if contact tracing causes quarantine of anybody else. Um, you know, I imagine. Kirby will be asked on some of the media appearances he'll do before the game yeah. Saturday. Probably be on with game day. I imagine someone will ask him that on the set. If not, uh, you know, I don't know if he, what he's doing before then. Um, but, you know, I mean, we're talking in downtown Athens now on Thursday morning, and uh, the high school students in this area are going virtual next week. Um, the cases on campus at Georgia have doubled in the last two weeks, in the last week, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we're going to unfortunately still see some of this during the season. Yeah. Um, and uh, you're going to have a packed stadium in Charlotte. You'll have a packed stadium in Sanford next week against UAB. 
and uh, you know, well, they're, they're still uh, COVID. There's still a pandemic, so uh, you know, you're you're doing two things at once. You're playing football, and you're also living through that. Yeah, like you said, I mean, we've seen it throughout the high school. It seems like we have two or three games a week around the Athens area that are getting postponed or pushed back or canceled altogether just because of. Uh, you know these high schools are getting eat up with it. So, Ryan, have you written any of the, any of your prep stories that are like ready to go, and then a game gets canceled, and you have to, you know, basically well, for, spike it? Yeah, fortunately, uh, and and you know, if you uh, if you go to onlineathens.com, I have uh, you know some bold predictions as we call it for games this week. And as uh, as I learned last night that the you know the high schools were going virtually, I was thinking, what does this mean for Clark Central's game? Because they got a big game against Oconee County from down the street, and did find out this morning the game's still on, but uh, you know, I know you're talking about for this weekend. For this week, well, yeah. they're they're still in in classes today uh, in person, right? Uh, and then Friday is a day off from school anyway because it's the Labor Day weekend. Okay. So, and then even next week, I understand, and from what I read, uh, they're going to be still practicing and still doing um, you know extracurricular activities and right, just not right. getting together indoors in the school setting. But yeah, fortunately, hadn't had to uh, just scrap an entire story yet, which is which is good. But uh, it's coming, probably coming. All right, let's start with uh, you know as we dive in a little bit more into the podcast before david joins us what do you want to see you haven't seen the georgia bulldogs since g-day um you know practices have been closed um here's who i want to see and you can you can add uh, how about I'll, I'll throw in one and you throw in one around uh-huh. ad mitchell or you might want to call him adone adone, adone, adone yeah. look we saw him in the spring he was he was Big time spectacular game. fabulous yeah. um and you might have heard this but georgia is missing a lot of quality Targets, uh, guys that can make plays. Darnell Washington uh, is out. Uh, Obviously, obviously George Pickens remains out. Uh, Eric Gilbert, Kirby said on Monday, I believe it was, uh, you know, still away. And I think he said something about, you know, wishing him well and praying for him. Um, And then, you know, Dominic Blaylock is is coming closer. He's working on the scout team, running some routes. Still quite not there, uh, but close, Kirby says, uh, as he, you know, tries to gain some confidence on his second ACL tear more than a month out. And... um, you know, it works on his endurance, I guess, to, to you know, be able to to run and, and play on that knee as much as uh, he would. Uh, you know, these these wide receivers, you know, they run routes and turn on a dime. So we'll see. Uh, Ryan. I want to. Yeah, I want to keep it in the. Well, let me let me just say this about Mitchell. Is he going to be one of the top guys instantly on this offense? I think it's possible. I mean, the way he looked in the spring, uh, you know, it seems like he's a guy that can come in there and make plays happen. Like you said, with the attrition uh, at the position, that's where I'm leading with my pick, Marcus Roseme Jack Saint. You know, when you have such an injury like he did, we all saw it. We all cringed, maybe uh, threw up in our mouths a little. That's a guy, you know, you're like, man, I, I hope he comes back you know, and can just get on the field from time to time. But it looks like he's going to be playing a lot and has to play a lot. And, you know, he's a guy that, you know, showed some explosiveness last year, had that big touchdown against Florida when the injury happened. And then, you know, it's all taken away from him like that. And you felt like there's a lot of promise there with this guy. So if he can come in, fill in, uh, not even fill in, you know, take that job and run with it now that, you know, he's gotten the opportunity. Uh, he's a guy I'm really looking forward to uh, to seeing how he comes out and you know really pulling for a person that had such a such a you know devastating and, and gross injury to be quite frank. All right, I want to see who runs out trots out there at center. I'm expecting it's probably be uh, Cedric von Prahn Granger, but um, Kirby Smart was asked this week about how Warren Erickson was doing, and I believe he used the term he's doing awesome. He's been practicing for two weeks, but you know. There's a lot of uh, subterfuge. There's a lot of trying to throw a cloud over something. I mean, Erickson, you know, I've seen him in the photos from practice. I don't know if he's working some at guard. I know he was trying to use the opposite hand than he usually snaps with. The one he hurt was his left hand. Uh, but, you know, maybe he is fine with snapping now. Maybe he will be the guy. Maybe they have more confidence in him. We don't know. But I do know that uh, Brian Bercy, if I'm pronouncing his last name properly, the defensive lineman extraordinaire sophomore out of the great state of Maryland Damascus in Montgomery County Maryland I believe that's Montgomery County uh, that actually a guy that Kirby 
went to recruit in the state of Maryland, and he ends up going to Clemson. Uh, he is a sophomore, had four sacks last year. I have a story today about this Clemson defensive line and the matchup against Georgia and their offensive line. A huge test. The, uh, the offensive line didn't look great on G-Day, which is make of that what you want. Um, playing, but but you, you got yeah. two starters, uh, you know, or at least one new starter in Tate Ratledge at right guard, probably Van Pran uh, as well. Um, and then, you know, Sawyer presumably at left tackle with Schaefer and McClendon kind of uh, filling out the lineup. Let me ask you this. Is this a Wally Pip situation at center? I mean, yeah, I guess an, an injury would not make it Look, a <laughs> Wally Pip situation. If, if, but Georgia, if Georgia wins and JT Daniels is kept upright and the running game is decent, uh, you're not going to make a change. You're going to stick with Cedric Van Prong Granger if he's the guy. But if, you know, you get swallowed up and you, you are not right. producing on offense, then you go back to Erickson probably. I mean, they'll look at the film. They'll see if he's a winning uh, football player or not. Well, I mean, I guess that opens up the possibility of him moving to guard, like you said, for not not, about, not maybe this year, but, you know. Are you talking about Erickson? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Schaefer's got to head I, out after the season. I mean, George, I think Georgia's going to have about nine guys. <laughs> That's right. That you're going to be moving around based on performance. I mean, when you have Amari Mims and Broderick, Jones there, um, you know, and then you have Erickson. That's what does that give you? Eight there. Who else am I missing? I mean, Xavier Trust. They threw in the start in the bowl game. This goes back to the to the Sam Pittman philosophy, where you can't have too many, and the Kirby's too, right? Where you just stack five star on top of five star, and you know whoever's out is out. All right, we got to speed up because we got David Hale waiting. That is um, true. Yeah. Give me a, give me another one, and I'll give you another one or two. Well, I think um, you know, not that he's a, a, a surprise or anything, uh, but Nolan Smith. I think that's the guy you want to see uh, a big season out of him. Number one overall recruit. Well, what are we? Three years ago now, he was coming out of high school. Yep. And he's just a guy from IMG Academy who played that, that <laughs> out of uh, via Savannah or that area. IMG Academy just had that phantom team against him <laughs> over the weekend. But go ahead, uh, Bishop Sycamore. Yeah. Um, but I think Nolan Smith's a guy that I'm gonna keep an eye on. You know, uh, see what type of uh, you know disturbance if he can get back to ukulele and and see what he can cause. And uh, I think if if he comes out has a big game, it's gonna be a big season for Nolan. I want to see how Darian, Darian Kendrick does against his former teammates. Yeah. Transfer cornerback uh, has not played a snap, obviously, for Georgia. We haven't even seen him because he wasn't at the G-Day game. So this is a guy with tons of experience, uh, you know, uh, very reliable in terms of uh, a constant, uh, you know, presence for the last couple of years for the Tigers. Uh, you know, gave up some big plays and some big games um, against some really quality opponents. And this is a team that has a lot of quality wide receivers, a lot of tall uh, you know, guys w with a lot of athleticism. So you know, there's going to be some uh, talk in there, and you know that each one wants to outdo the other. And I'm going to give you one more name before we go to David Lad McConkey, um, part return specialist. See how he does on the returns. See if they, you know, if he if he's getting uh, snaps, uh, you know, in the slot or or you know in the wide receiver rotation. Um, you know, Kyrus Jackson, maybe he'll have a little bit less, uh, um, you know, of a workload coming off that knee injury. I'm not sure how that's going to play out, but, uh, you know, we'll see if, if McConkie's a name that just floated around in the preseason or if he's going to be a legit guy that we'll see. You know there. the term that's going to follow his name soon. Fan favorite, Lad McConkie. All right, we will uh, get now to our special guest. All right, now joining us is David Hale. Covered the Georgia Bulldogs back in the day. Uh, did some Philadelphia Phillies, I believe, as well. And now is a college football writer with a lot of ACC and Clemson coverage for ESPN.com. Uh, David, thanks for uh, being with us. Hey, Mark. I'm happy to do this. Thanks for having me. All right, first I want to start off with uh, that you, are, I believe, are a resident of Charlotte, North Carolina. We're in the vicinity. We are, what are we, 60 hours? I don't know how far we are from uh, kickoff of this game. Georgia, Clemson. What's the vibe in there? Are you seeing fans in town yet with uh, any colors and that kind of thing? Um, I would love to say it's been a a friggin' party in Charlotte already, <laughs> but no, not really. I'm uh, we're what is it Thursday? I'm going to uh, there's there's we have a a, a the um, undercard match, if you will, of App State and ECU uh, this evening, and I can't say I've actually seen. A ton of folks for even that yet, but uh, I'm going to go over to that game tonight. We'll see what the vibe is like. I mean, it's been a long time since I've been in a stadium that has had uh, a full crowd, and this will uh, certainly on Saturday be a full crowd. Uh, I would expect that that by 
tomorrow, Friday afternoon, we're going to have, uh, it'll start being a little more intense around here. Um, but yeah, no, it still feels like off season as of now. David, we brought you on here for your expert analysis, so I needed to start with a really tough question. It's the Duke Mayo Bowl Classic, I believe, or Dukes. Is it Dukes? Dukes. Dukes. Yeah. Uh, are you a Mayo guy? And if not, what is your favorite condiment? Um, this is a great question. Um, number one, no, I'm not a Mayo guy. And, and while I am largely indifferent to Mayo, my wife is violently against Mayo, and I'm not even allowed to eat Mayo in her presence. So... <laughs> Um, that said, if I was going to eat mayo, it'd certainly be Dukes over, you know, Hellman's or whatever other. I would say that's the, that's the big debate, right? Hellman's or Dukes here in, here in Georgia. Yeah, no, Hellman's, <laughs> Hellman's is a joke. No, no. Uh, you know, I'm a, I am a fan of condiments in general. The, law, the question is, where do you draw the line? Like, is hot sauce strictly a condiment? Because, um, you know, then we could go down a whole rabbit hole of various different, like, hot sauces um you know I'm, I'm a big honey mustard fan if you will i like uh, i like a good barbecue sauce um really i like any i will order any food item in which you can dip because i like all dipping related condiments um now so, we get into like chick-fil-a sauce or, or or you know polynesian you can go down a, a big Polynesian ribbon. solid polynesian is very good You're, this is an excellent point and chick-fil-a by the way i think i like on the scale of honey mustards, from like a creamy to like a weird neon flavor, I like the weird neon that they have at Chick Fil A better than, than most uh, honey mustard. So um, I'm glad we asked this question because this is getting into the really important deep dive uh, analytical stuff that I think I'm sure all of your <laughs> yeah. all of your listeners have tuned in for. Coming up later is a hot dog a sandwich. We'll dive deep. Uh, but uh, it, it, you know this game to start off the year. We'll get back to football here, I guess. Uh, you know, it, will this really determine? You know, is this a make or break game for either team? You know, for the season. I think it is for Clemson to a degree because here's the narrative that, that the ACC and Clemson is always up against. Is they don't play anybody. The schedule's easy. Um, you know, they're coasting into a playoff berth. And I think it's particularly true this year because you look at the last two postseason games that Clemson played, and it was blowouts at the hands of Ohio State and LSU. Now, granted, very good Ohio State and LSU teams, but that's the standard Clemson wants to be judged against. Uh, and then the rest of the there's, – there's no Notre Dame in the ACC this year. The rest of the ACC schedule for Clemson is, is as close to a cakewalk as it gets. And so if they don't win this game, not only are they playing to sort of the inside straight of they can't lose another one and still make the playoff, and not only do they have to deal with the uh, potential of, say, Georgia going undefeated but losing the SEC championship game and then getting into a playoff ahead of them, um, but there's a, a this gigantic narrative that is going to follow them the entire rest of the way throughout this season because uh, the, the question will be, is has Clemson lost a step? Is Clemson not what they used to be? And there's no way to really tell because the ACC is terrible. Um, I don't think the ACC, by the way, is nearly as bad this year as it has been in some past years, but... There is not – I mean, the, the teams that would challenge them, Miami and North Carolina, are both on the other side and aren't going to run into Clemson this year. So, I mean, it's just – I think Clemson really needs this in order to make a statement about who they are and who the ACC is. Because if they don't, if they lose this game, and certainly if they lose this game by any sort of a significant margin, um, that's a tough narrative to overcome. And, and narratives don't necessarily mean everything, but we are talking about – a very sort of narrative-driven playoff selection process. And so, um, yeah, to me, I, I think it means a lot more for Clemson than it probably does for Georgia because Georgia, after this, is still going to have plenty of, of opportunities to prove itself. David, I believe you were in Clemson this week for uh, some media availabilities and the such. Um, anything surprise you, what you heard from Dabo and the players ahead of this big game, or was it kind of standard fare? A lot of it was standard fare, and particularly by Dabo standards. I mean, he hasn't, you know, this is the fun thing about Dabo is you never quite know what to expect, and this was all pretty expected. You know, the one thing that really jumped out at me, and I'd actually be interested in your opinion on this, Mark, because uh, Dabo's typical, uh, let's spend a half an hour talking about 
anything that, that comes to mind about the opposing team to open a press conference. And he says, you know, Georgia gets off the bus wanting to run the ball. They're going to run the ball, run the ball, and then a little play action. And that's what Georgia's going to do. And we know that. And I was thinking, like, yeah, that's, of course, who Georgia's been for forever. But if Georgia's really going to take that next step this year, is that who they still want to be? Are they are they going to finally sort of follow the Alabama model of let's not just ground and pound our way to a, a national championship and, and try to be something more? And certainly I think we saw more of an open downfield, like let's explore the studio space offense with JT Daniels last year. And I wonder how much you still expect to see that from Georgia coming into this game like because it, the way Dabo sold it is we're going to get the same Georgia we've gotten every time we've seen Georgia going back to the 1970s and to me I wonder how much that's actually true I mean I do think that Kirby Smart still is fine winning any way he can uh, which you can do you know, for most of the, the opponents you face on the schedule, I mean, Mississippi State wasn't going to let Georgia run the ball. They, they threw for 400-plus. Uh, South Carolina, it was easy to just pound the ball, 332 yards. You know, ultimately, I think that they know in the SEC championship game, in the playoff, if they're fortunate enough to get there, they're going to need to be able to throw the ball. So, you know... I think ultimately this is a team that that's that needs to expand the passing offense, and I think they will. And they've had an off season to do it with Todd Munkin. So you know, when you have you know really good running backs, also you have the opportunity to you know give the ball to Zamir White and and Kendall Milton and James Cook as well. But I think they've seen who's won national championships the last few years. You need to be able to score forty five points and, and you know throw it over the top. David, obviously, it's yeah, uh, that's kind of where my go ahead. That's where my head's at with this, and, and I'll be interested because I think they've look, they've had quarterbacks that could do this in the past, maybe Matthew Stafford and Aaron Murray and those guys, but but they haven't consistently. You know, that hasn't been sort of the foundation of what they want to do. And you've seen, I think, you know, Alabama's obviously the template because they they were sort of what Georgia has been, and the Kiffin years and beyond really evolved into something much more um, dynamic than that. And I think if you're, again, you're, you're, you're spot on is that it's not, you can't win football games the way that Georgia has been playing. And a lot of other teams are still trying to do it. But the question is if what you're judging yourself against is what you're going to do in an SEC championship in the playoff and then uh, in a potential national championship game, it's got to be something more than that now. And, to me, that, that's a big question. I mean, and, and frankly, the interesting thing on Clemson is almost the opposite, is that they couldn't run the ball to save his lives last year. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that's one of the big issues going into this game is, is Georgia's really good up front on the defensive side. And, and can Georgia be, or can Clemson run the ball against Georgia? Well, I guess that's one of the big matchups. Obviously, you have, you know, even teams here, which is what makes it such an enticing game. But is there an area where Georgia has an advantage that you've seen in these two that they could possibly take advantage of? You know, it, to me, it's it's funny because we always say, like, well, it's on this unit or it's on that unit. And, and the truth of the matter is it's always sort of a you got to take sort of a holistic thing approach to it. And this is one of those areas with Clemson that, that it's sort of hard not to look at it holistically. But if Clemson can't run the ball, and, and that's a problem. And, and you don't have Travis Etienne anymore in the backfield, so you've got effectively a very um, sort of new-look backfield. And a lot of the problems were pinned on the O-line last year. It was not a good offensive line performance, by and large. They pass protected better than they run block. They could not run block to save their lives. Uh, and Georgia's really good on the defensive front. So you say, how is, how is Clemson possibly going to run the ball? To me, the bigger issue, though, last year was not just that they couldn't run the ball. It was that teams could really stack the box, could say, we're going to take the run game away from you, try to beat us over the top, and they just didn't have the receivers to make it happen. That That, to me, was the overwhelmingly obvious problem with, with Clemson last year is that, I mean, Travis Etienne was their third leading receiver. Cornell Powell was fine, but not a game-changing type of guy. Um, and Amari Rogers was really good, but more effective as sort of a slot underneath guy. They did not have that downfield passing attack. And 
I, you know, this is, they've got like, uh, you know, George Pickens is sort of this guy for Georgia. Like everybody says he's going to change the offense for Georgia and he just doesn't, it doesn't really ever happen. You see the glimpses. But Clemson's got like nine of those guys right now. So what are we going to get from Justin Ross after not playing last year? And the thing that I always tell everybody is like, Justin Ross, as much as you can see the talent, has had 400 yard games in his entire career. Like, I, I'm not, just because he's on the field, assuming he's on the field, uh, does not guarantee anything. And Frank Ladson and Joe Ngata and E.J. Williams, these guys are really talented, highly recruited receivers who thus far have flashed in a game or two or a series or two but have not really been consistent weapons. And so what I think last year showed is that if Clemson cannot beat you over the top, if Clemson can't stretch the field, they're going to struggle to run the ball. And I think particularly against uh, a front like Georgia has, they are going to really struggle to run the ball. So while it'd be easy enough to say like the matchup that that matters is that the, the in the trenches, Clemson's O line versus Georgia's D line, I actually think it's a little bit of like what can Clemson's wide receivers do down the field against the Georgia secondary, where you know I, it's probably not nearly as deep as it's been, and I don't know if it's quite as good as it's been the last few years. And of course then the, the magic name within this whole discussion that makes it even more interesting is Darian Kendrick and, and what does that mean uh, to have the former Clemson guy playing corner for Georgia. Um, but to me that that's if they can't if they can't stretch the field, if they can't sort of punish Georgia for stacking the box if that's what Georgia's doing, then it's gonna be a long day for Clemson's offense. And if they can and opens up some things, then we've got a, a much more interesting matchup. I want to take you away from this matchup for a second before we uh, close w- w- with another pointed question about about these teams. I want to take you back to, I don't know, it was a decade or more now. W- what are your lasting memories of the, your time spent covering Georgia and your time spent in Athens? I, I know you get back here on occasion. Um, you know, you were here during the Mark Rick era and uh, kind of how do you look at that time for the Bulldog fans out there that remember uh, reading your stuff back then? Yeah, I miss Athens. It's this was, you know, quite frankly, that was my favorite job I've ever had. I mean, I, you'd be you'd be crazy not to love uh, being in Athens in the first place. It's the best college town in in the country. Um, what are my memories? There's too much that I don't remember clearly due to um, perhaps a, a, a little bit too much time at uh, Paulie's and all good and, and what have you. Um, so that's that's a little tricky. Um, you know, this was the thing about it. It's, it's funny to kind of look back at what, I mean, we're doing this podcast now, right? And we didn't even know what the hell a podcast was when I was on the, on the Georgia beat. But it was also sort of that weird time where, like, Twitter had just become a thing. And, and like, you had this, this outgrowth of fan blogs and everybody was doing, like, their online blog. Like, it was such a weird different like changing time and in, in terms of like how you cover a team i mean it was really sort of the the tipping point between like old school newspaper journalism and modern internet journalism i don't know if any of that was a good thing in the long run i mean again you could make your your arguments for or against but it was you know from a professional standpoint like that was a great proving grounds like a I had to go toe to toe with like heavyweights of this profession, like Mark Weiser, on a regular basis, and then be like at this time in which journalism was sort of being rewritten in real time, and uh, it's I, it's kind of funny how much I think I still kind of look back on like lessons learned from that time. And part of it was you know I was young, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, I was figuring it out as I went too. Um, but yeah, I would I, I always say like man. It's, if ever you can have like a good like get your feet wet and figure out how to be a good sports reporter job, that's as good as it gets because it's an intense beat. Like people love Georgia fan bases, great. Um, and then there's not a better place in the world to live than Athens. It's it's the best. We had a little technical difficulty there. Can you repeat about the heavyweight thing? That was the interesting part. <laughs> <laughs> Lord have mercy. That never actually happened. I deny the whole thing already. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, have never left Athens. Came to school and just st- stuck around because it was uh, it was so great. Hey, we had uh, Mark Richt on the podcast last week. Uh, I was wondering, do you ever run into him, talk to him? You know, being kind of on the ACC side now. They work for the yeah, same company yeah, too. Mark. Yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, 
it is it is uh, it is funny how Marcus sort of I like to think ridden my coattails. You know, he was <laughs> he was at Georgia when I was there, and I go to cover some ACC football, and he he goes over to Miami, and then you know I'm just plugging along at ESPN, and then he I'm sure he just mentioned to somebody, hey, I know David Hale, and they were like, okay, well you can come work here too. And so that's <laughs> that's I assume how the whole thing worked out. Now Mark's the best, and it is funny to sort of see him in this TV role now because. You know, to sort of know Mark Rick's personality, I, I genuinely wondered how it would translate to TV because he's so dry and quirky. And, like, is that how will that come across on camera? And I think it's been great. He's such a fun, like, I, I don't mean this in a, in a bad way, but he's such a weird addition to the ACC network. Like, he's got such, like, an offbeat way of, of delivering uh, his his analysis and like it's always some there's always something unexpected you're getting from him and it's fun to sort of see the rest of the world get sort of a a, a view of mark rick in a more um informal way the same way we used to get to see you know sitting around a conference table on a on a thursday of game week you know take you know giving him a million questions about about the backup tight ends and stuff like that so um yeah, it's great. It's great to see Mark, and, and it's great to see him doing okay, given all the stuff that's happened with him. And of course, um, there's there's no one pulling harder for him than, than than I am, and I hope he's he's around and, and a coworker and riding my coattails for a lot longer too. <laughs> David, I know you're you're sad that maybe the focus is turning to football games and and not uh, NIL and uh, realignment and the alliance and and those off season stories that obviously will bleed into the next several months as well, but uh, as far as what you'll see on the field of Bank of America Stadium on Saturday night, um, you know, how, how does Georgia match up, you think, with Clemson? Where may they have the advantages? Where do you think they could be in trouble? You don't need to get too deep in the weeds, but kind of from a, you know, uh, wide len- angle lens, kind of where do you think this game ultimately may ride? So, yeah, I mean, I think the, the Clemson receivers are a big part of this. Clemson's receivers versus Georgia's DBs, to me, are going to be a big tail of the tape in terms of what Clemson can do moving the football. Um, I'm not too worried about what DJ Uyunglele is going to be at QB. I think we saw enough of him. He's got a level of confidence. But I do say, like, and I know Will Shipley's probably going to be good, and that's a name if you're a Georgia fan. I would keep my eye on their five-star freshman running back. He's gotten raves over this offseason from, from his teammates. I think he will be in a position to make a few plays. I don't know if he'll be a lead dog back at this point, but I wouldn't be shocked if he makes a couple of really big plays in this game, um, either running the ball or, or as a receiver out of the backfield. But you don't just take away Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne and then plug them in with other five stars, which is what they're doing, and not have any sort of a drop-off. I think there's going to be a little bit of a drop off there just because it takes time to replace guys that are generational talents. Um, to me, the question is all about what is Clemson's defense going to be because it's real hard to shake that vision of what we last saw of them uh, in the Sugar Bowl against Ohio State and Ohio State just running the ball down their throats, throwing at will, a banged up Justin Fields, taking, you know, every liberty he wanted against uh, the Brent Venables defense. And uh, I thought Ohio State in some ways really sort of illustrated in, in very blunt terms what you need to do to beat Brent Venables. It's, it's slow down the tempo and then get to the line at the last second, call plays late. Um, and then look, the athleticism at linebacker for Clemson is not great. The athleticism at safety is not great. I mean, it's it's very good by ACC standards. It is not great by elite matchup standards. And so to me, that's another big red flag area. So we know Georgia can run the football. They've got a really good backfield. I want to see how much they can sort of take advantage of that Clemson defense at the second level. Clemson's D-line is going to be really, really good this year. They're deep and they're good. Um, that That's going to be the first level defense I think Clemson's going to be really good at. But how much can you can you take advantage of some of the lack of athleticism in that second level? If Georgia can, I've gone back and forth on this game a dozen times at least. I, I think I do see some advantages for Georgia that I really like, though. And a lot of it comes down to, um, I think there's sort of a, almost a, a philosophical question of, 
how much can Georgia evolve beyond the same type of offense that they've been running for years to some degree, and how much can Brent Venables tweak what he's done so successfully for so long, but really struggled with the last couple of big-time matchup games they've had against LSU and Ohio State the last couple of years. David, we're going to kind of break down the game a little bit towards the end of the show ourselves, and I can't match what you just uh, said because it was very thorough. But I will say uh, thanks for joining us, and enjoy East Carolina and App State tonight. Enjoy a uh, mayo sandwich with your wife not there. Uh, And uh, we will see you, I I assume, on Saturday in the uh, press box. I am looking forward to it. Um, I'll be masked up. I assume you will be, and that's the best way for us to interact with each other where you don't actually have to look directly <laughs> and see your entire face. I don't think we have a choice. I think I think ma- like masks and fully vaccinated are required or maybe a negative COVID test, but they're checking at the door. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, uh, I'm used to just being turned away at the door at places, so we'll see how this goes. All right, David. Thanks, uh, thanks again. Appreciate it. No problem. See you guys. All right, we thank David Hale of ESPN.com for joining us and talking Georgia Clemson and his time in Athens. And what do you, what do you and think? condiments. What, yeah, condiments. Uh, hey, let, let's, before we make our picks, let, let's uh, look. If they have uh, like a big jar of Duke's mayo, I'm going to gladly take it. I don't actually have any in my refrigerator. I'm not a big mayo guy. I think uh, my wife might have bought some Hellman's at one point recently. Or I've gotten away from mayo. I've been more avocado on a sandwich because mm-hmm. you can get that nice creaminess without all the fat. Mm-hmm. So. Um, there were like social media influencers. I guess I'm not one of them that got like a care package sent to them by Duke's Mayo, and they, I've seen them kind of posting that on their their you know Twitter or Instagrams or whatever. And uh, so, hey, look, the Duke's Mayo Bowl people uh, and this classic game, whatever they're calling it, they know how to get the name out there. People talk about it. You know, is it the same marketing people that did the Belk? Remember Belk? Yeah. Had, uh, well, I mean, I presume I don't. I'm not sure. I mean, they had some. Uh, they had some good tweets. And All right, here we go. We're doing our picks. Here we go. It's back. We're to keep a tally ron what are we betting on this year what, what's the winner get uh a beer nope we're going for a, a uh, what's the closest restaurant to us right down here there's a steakhouse there yeah, a porterhouse we can just, Porter, how about a big porterhouse burger for the winner i like it i like it so uh can't wait till you buy me a porterhouse burger not gonna happen you'll be uh, buying me one i want uh double burger with, with uh, extra mayo with cheddar <laughs> and <laughs> extra dukes i will not put uh no you know what here's what i do when i order like burgers and restaurants if they have whatever their special sauce is i'm gonna go for it i'm just gonna try it i mean yeah yeah i'm not very that picky with it so uh two all beef patties special sauce lettuce cheese i have not had a big mac for like <laughs> 10 years but you know what you just inspired me on my drive to charlotte i'll stop and get there one. you go all right let's pick all right, these are odds from Tipico Sportsbook, which is our in-house USA Today Gannett um, sportsbook. I'll, I'll take your word on it. You, you didn't get that memo? No, I guess not. Yeah. I, t- I, was, I got a memo not to bet on uh, any no, not, games. That you, not, what? I don't, I don't it, no is. insider trading. All right, we're going to do these fast. We're going to use point spreads. Uh, there's no uh, wiser than wiser picks like they used to. I think that's been uh, that's been, get, got yeah, the that promotion. Uh, yeah, got axed. All right. Well, uh, tonight is uh, Boise State getting five and a half at UCF and Gus Malzahn. And what do they call that? The bounce house. <laughs> Give me UCF. He's got a bunch of like transfers from Auburn and yeah, guys that brought some guys over. Guys, when they're a guy at Tennessee that, that um, <laughs> transferred from Auburn to Tennessee, now back to UCF. I will take UCF. And you know, I mean, it's not like Gus Malzahn was a bad coach at Auburn. Uh, you know, it wasn't the wasn't the easiest of uh, divisions to play in. So I, I think he'll be successful down there. Give me UCF. All right, Friday night we got North Carolina at Virginia Tech, five and a half points. The Tar Heels are favored by. I believe uh, Matt Brown just turned 70, by the way. Yeah. And he uh, he has that, that – he's uh, got that program kind of in a good spot. I mean, they're, they're getting – considering where they were, and uh, this might be a good time to mention that John Lilly and Stacey Sarles, former Georgia assistants, on staff there. Beautiful campus, Franklin Street, the game that was in Blacksburg. Give me the Tar Heels. If we're going against the spread here, I, you know – Justin Fuente on the hot seat. Well, that might keep uh, this game closer than the five and a half. So, uh, you know, I'm not sold on North Carolina yet. Maybe they'll change my mind, win by 40. But uh, give me Vitek to keep it close. Uh, okay. Well, so, okay, I got you. So, you, you, Tar Heels will win maybe. but okay. I, I think so. All right. Another game in Charlotte. And um, I don't think I'm doing this, but uh, Duke is at Charlotte. Duke's mayor? In Charlotte, oh. Friday night. You can get you can go to a football game Thursday night, Friday mm-hmm. night, and Saturday night in the city of Charlotte if you mm-hmm. if you were so inclined. Yeah. 
Blue Devils by six and a half. Duke was kind of up and uh, you know up and down last year. Might be the end of the run there for the head coach who's been around for a Cutcliffe, while. Cutcliffe, man, he's old too. <laughs> this is not. This is not. No need to bash our, right. our great. Uh, I think that's elder a statesman. sign of a respect. Elder statesman, give me Charlotte. Uh, and uh, is it Will? Uh, who's the good? Will Healy? Oh, we had a beer with him, didn't we? At, uh, I did not have a beer with him. I did. By God, I had. He bought me two. Oh, he did. Well, yeah, he probably expensed it. Well, I don't know. I didn't pay for it. That's all I know. Right. What, what was the name of that you place did, in Atlanta? Is this the first time you realized that Will Healy was coaching Charlotte? No, no, no. I knew that. I knew that. Uh, what was the Austin Eight? Austin Austin P. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when we had a yeah. he he got us a, a media place. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I like that guy. Yeah, give me Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of guys that uh, you know, Michigan State and head coach Mel Tucker at Northwestern. The Wildcats are favored by three and a half. I'll, if I was at Northwestern, I'd be getting a deep dish pizza there in Evanston, and I would be uh, taking the Wildcats three and a half. You know, that's a tough one. Cause why has he never gone anywhere else? I guess he likes it in Evanston, uh, the head coach at Northwestern. But uh, – you know, give, give me Michigan State. I'll, I'll go a different route. Mel Tucker, uh, you know, needs to get things rolling. Let's give, give it. Give Northwestern's it. got, you know, like everybody's got a fancy practice facilities, but their theirs and their practice field is right up on the lake there oh, in Evanston. That'll keep a that'll keep a coach around. Yeah, it's 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 a beautiful <laughs> scenery there. Uh, Penn State at Wisconsin. The Badgers favored by five and a half. Oof. Um, Penn State had an off year last year. I'm gonna take. The Badgers. Give me, give me Wisconsin there. That place, that's a madhouse. They're going to jump around. They're yeah, gonna, they got people yeah, back, right? Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. That's a, that's a tough place to play, so I'm going to stick with you there. Yeah, I did see, I think, for the, 20, the 2022 class, Penn State's number one right now. So uh, maybe they're trying to get it turned around. But Louisiana Monroe is at Kentucky. Um, Wildcats are favored by 30 and a half points. Louisiana Monroe now coached by one Terry Bowden. Um, I don't know. Thirty and a half is an awful lot of points. I'm gonna. I mean, they could win thirty-five to three, and they would, would cover. cover. But they could also win thirty-five to seven. They win. I'm gonna take Monroe because it's thirty and a half. Man, that that is a tough line. I would. I wouldn't touch that if I was in Vegas. Uh, so, I, I think I'm with you on that. I mean, you know, a forty-two to fourteen game doesn't even cover. So uh, I'll go with Monroe. All right, you got Rice at Arkansas. Razorbacks by nineteen and a half. A lot, a little bit easier opponent than what Arkansas started last season with, which was a team the called Georgia. Uh, Pig Suey, give me, uh, give me Sam Pittman in year number two here. Yeah, I mean he, I think he surprised a lot of people last year with how good he had Arkansas. I mean for Arkansas, he had them playing pretty well last year, and did he keep it rolling? I think he, I think he might. I think this might be an okay season for Arkansas. So I mean, this I, will be a good start. I mean. It felt like they had a good year, but I think they still went three and seven against that SEC schedule. Hey, hey! They also got screwed out of a, a big call or two, uh, I believe, in SEC play. Yeah, they, they could have, uh, you know, decided a game or two. Mm-hmm. All right, West Virginia is at Maryland. Mountaineers by two and a half. Um, I'm going to take the Terps at home. The of reason course. I say the reason I say of that course. is I feel like Maryland's had some really good starts to their season in recent years, and then kind of just fell on their face. I mean, they didn't they beat Texas a couple times, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. early in season. So, do they still have Tungvaluwa uh, quarterback? Yeah, yep, yep. Two of his brothers, yeah, the quarterback yeah. in Maryland. Yeah, I'll ride with the Fighting Wisers. All right, Alabama is at Miami. The no, they're not. It's Alabama, Miami, and Atlanta, mm-hmm. and it's at Mercedes-Benz. Um, great quarterback matchup yeah. um, for both teams. Tied are giving 19 and a half. Uh, always believe in Nick Saban, except, you know, eventually probably George is going to get him, you presume. Oh. Um, I'm taking the tide given nearly 20 points. Yeah, this seems like a it seems like it's set up for just a demolition by uh by Alabama over over Miami that I'm not totally sold on and like you said, I, who was it Alabama started with? Was it Michigan a couple years ago and they beat them? It was supposed to be a good game. It was like 48 to 10 or All something right. like that. Let's uh Okay, cut me off. What did did you give your pick? I was reading. I was just gonna say Alabama. <laughs> okay. Uh let's do these quicker with like five word answers. LaTeX at Mississippi State, twenty two and a half points for uh Mississippi State. That's a lot of points again. I'm taking LaTeX. Ah, uh, go with Mississippi State. Central Michigan's at Missouri. Jim McElwain, I believe the coach at uh 
uh, in Chippewa for the Chippewas. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a, was an appendicitis or something this week, uh, so I'm not sure what, what his situation is for the game. But I'm kind of bullish on the Tigers this year, not to win the East or anything. But 14 and a half points, they're favored by. I'm gonna take Missouri at home. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the Chippewas always seem to have a give a give a good game, but uh, yeah, Missouri at home, give it to me. Louisiana at Texas, Longhorns future SEC team favored by eight and a half. Uh, that's pretty that's tough. That's a ranked game, isn't it? I don't know what Louisiana's ranked. I don't. Uh, I think they're like twenty third. Maybe they are. Okay. I mean, I I didn't put them in my top twenty five this year. Probably an oversight. I mean, uh, I went with Ole Miss at twenty five. Yeah. I'm gonna take Texas at home. Uh, they'll start off the new coaching regime, uh, and I imagine that Matthew McConaughey will be there as the minister of culture. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Give me Texas. Florida Atlantic getting twenty three and a half uh, in the swamp against the Gators. Um, that's 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 a pretty lopsided result. Uh, I'm not not really into the uh, owls much these days since uh, Kiffin, Lane Kiffin's Kiffin not there left. anymore. Right? Yeah. Uh, I'll take the Gators at home as long as no one throws a shoe or something. Oh my goodness, bringing that back up. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a Gator big time victory. All right, here's four, four SEC games that we're not even going to pick because they're so dumb: Auburn, Auburn, Akron, East Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Kent State, Texas A&M. South Carolina's playing. Is it Eastern Illinois? Maybe Zeb Nolan though. Ryan's uh, yeah. quarterback out of Oconee County. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can hold on to that job for three weeks or two weeks, so I guess. So comes back. When, when they come to Georgia, but uh, interesting watching. A couple games uh, after Saturday, Notre Dame's at Florida State on Sunday. Seminoles getting seven and a half. Give me the Irish there. What's your pick? Uh, yeah, Florida State's not back. All right, here's a big one. LSU and UCLA. Bruins are getting two and a half. Coming off, a, they crushed Hawaii, but, you know, Hawaii is not – off the uh, islands, they probably don't play as good. Um, but I was impressed with UCLA. And LSU had to go to Houston this week because of the hurricane. And then they got to get on a plane and fly to L.A. I'm taking UCLA given two and a half. This seems like a perfect setup that everything's pointing in UCLA's favor. Big win. Like you said, the hurricane moving LSU out. I think LSU goes in there and wins, uh, not handily, but covers it. All right, Ole Miss is uh, playing Louisville in Atlanta. I think they have the second uh, kickoff game there and by Gary Stokens' group. Rebels by 10.5. I'm high on the Lane Kiffin fighting uh, Rebels, and I'll take the Rebels giving 10.5 against Louisville. Uh, you were the one vote for uh, 25th there. No, <laughs> whatever. Added no, up I think to, I'm more than one. Yeah, I'm just kidding with you. But, yeah, yeah uh, Ole Miss. All right, as I mentioned, David gave a better analysis than we will, but Clemson-Georgia got plenty of uh, matchups and insight on the game. Go to onlineathens.com, check it out. If you don't have a subscription, it's uh, well worth your while. I don't know, is it still uh, a dollar for the first six months? I believe so. Sign up, get six months for a dollar, and it can't be that So do that, then after you do that, give a five-star review to this podcast at Apple Podcasts. Just for Ryan, because think about how he kind of... Behind the scenes, when we're done, when we turn off these mics... You're out the door. Ryan is here, you know, putting together the pieces of the audio on this Mm -hmm. thing. Slicing and dicing. And he's 99 out of 100 podcasts. He's done a great job. (laughs) (laughs) And that one, nobody knows it exists. So I give it 100 out of, you know, 100%. All right. Here's what what I want to say about this one. Um, I will say I have Georgia ranked higher than Clemson in the polls, even though... Uh, Clemson is second in the coaches poll, fifth, uh, Georgia's fifth, and in the AP, Clemson's third, and Georgia is fifth. I trust JT Daniels. I trust Todd Munkin as uh, a second year together. They have a good symbiotic relationship. Is that the way to say it? I like that. Yeah. Good words. They, they, they gel well. They, they seem to have a lot of trust in each other, which is important when you are trying to take Georgia's offense to the next level. We, and we need to hurry this up. There's a big there, there's a, there, Maybe there's a police escort coming. Maybe the Bulldogs are, are getting a, ready to. That was a fire truck. I saw it. So uh, Okay. Can I wonder if that audio, if you guys can hear yeah, that. Yeah, it was but, loud. Um, anyway, back to the Georgia. I think um, you have, uh, you know, luxury of some great running backs that I think Munkin has had the offseason to figure out, you know, how can we get the ball in James Cook's hands and some more? How can we take advantage of what Kendall Milton can do, um, you know? Is Amir White even another year removed from his torn ACL, his second? Mm-hmm. You know, can this guy live up to his five-star potential? Are we going to see him take it to a different gear? Is Georgia going to make some more explosive plays uh, in the running game? I think those things, we'll, we'll start to learn about that. Um, look, they're missing um, a lot of talent 
uh, in the passing game. We know Darnell Washington, Ari Gilbert, George Pickens, but that doesn't mean that they don't have talent. They have Jermaine Burton, Kyrus Jackson, Arian Smith, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, Brock Bowers, John Fitzpatrick. I think that's enough. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, it's a tough task. You have a great Clemson defense, uh, you know, defensive line in particular. I think there's a chance to, to make plays over the top against this this uh, Clemson defense. Um, you know, both teams are very sound in the special teams. Um, you know, is there concern about the Georgia offensive line? I think there is. I don't know if this uh, secondary is going to be, you know, you lost a lot of talent, but does that mean that you're not going to be uh, as good or better? I think you have an opportunity to. I mean, you brought in Keely Ringo as a five-star. Uh, let's see how that plays out. I mean, Darian Kendrick has mm-hmm. played a lot. I, I think Louis Sine looks like a, a, a top two-round draft pick, possibly third round. I, I don't know. Um, you know. Christopher Smith's played played a good bit now. Um, you know, you, you get back N'Kobe Dean at, at inside linebacker for a third year, and he could take it up another level. Um, I think the pass rush needs to be on point. Adam Anderson needs to be unleashed. Nolan Smith needs to live up to his five-star potential. Um, I'll say this, Notre Dame, 518 total yards in South Bend against Clemson. Ohio State, 639 in the national semifinals. Give me Georgia taking the two and a half, and I think they're winning outright. Yeah, yeah I think that's... That's as good a breakdown as David did. So uh, I don't really have much to say other than, I mean, look at what Clemson lost. I know DJ Ugalele has come in and, and, and has has filled in in the past, played well. There's a lot of high expectations for him. But you did lose Trevor Lawrence and you lost ATN. You've got some big holes to fill if you're if you're Clemson now. They bring in, you know, recruits to fill those. Well, they say re- reload, don't, uh, don't rebuild. So – it's going to be a tight matchup. Uh, I think in the end that Georgia has more talent right now than than Clemson does. Um, you know, all those stacked recruiting classes. Just uh, this this is it. This might be the year. We'll leave it at that and say that uh, Georgia gets off to a good start and uh, wins this game. All right. It will be a, a lot happier podcast uh, because the uh, city of Athens and Bulldog Nation will be happy if Georgia wins. Otherwise, we'll be breaking down why they lost, and uh, Ryan will be crushing them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah bringing uh, the heat. We'll see which way that turns out. Everyone have a great weekend. Enjoy the football, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you, guys. So, John, question. With Auburn firing Gus Malzahn, it leaves Ed Ogeron as the SEC's only coach who has beaten Nick Saban. Who's going to be the next SEC coach to beat Saban? Well, I don't think he'll be the guy that a lot of people think he will be. Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M. I like Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. He almost beat Saban last year, and he almost beat Saban when he was at Tennessee. Fisher promised he was going to thump Saban's rump whenever Alabama comes to College Station. I think he's got a shot. He improved Texas A&M to 9-1 last year. He's got a national championship to his name. If Haynes King is the real deal, he's got an early opportunity in October to beat Nick Saban. Look at Saban's track record for losses. It's usually to a great quarterback. Cam Newton, Johnny Manziel, or Joe Burrow. Matt Corral at Ole Miss, I think, could be the best quarterback in the league. I'm Blake Topmeyer, and this is SEC Football Unfiltered, a new podcast from the USA Today Network. Each week, we'll discuss the hottest topics that matter to the passionate fan bases of the SEC. I've covered the SEC for eight years. As for my co-host, longtime sports columnist John Adams. Let's just say he's got a few decades on me. Not as many decades as some people think. Contrary to popular opinion, I did not cover General Neyland, but I did interview Bear Bryant and I interviewed Nick Saban and I covered Archie Manning and Peyton Manning. More insightful interview, John. Bear Bryant, Archie Manning, Steve Spurrier, or Johnny Majors? Gotta go with Steve Spurrier there. He's the great quipster. SEC Football Unfiltered debuts this summer. Let John and I be your tour guides from the season opener through the national championship. Subscribe and listen wherever you get your podcasts.